can put it on the board, yeah! Team to win the game! Hawks win! And Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. How crazy was that? This is the Athlete Beat, WCRX's sole sports show featuring modern and classic hip-hop. Only here on 88.1 FM, Chicago. All right, everybody, it's 702 here at WCRX, 88.1 FM, Chicago. We're in Chicago, Illinois, of course. My name is Brandon Orlowski. This is the Athlete Beat, Chicago, uh, not just Chicago, uh, Columbia College, Chicago's only sports show on the radio. Uh, we also throw in hip-hop music during the breaks and all that. And uh, we got a great show for you today. We're flying solo today. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll have another guest, but I can do this. Uh, I've been, I did the, f- the very first show was solo, and I did uh, my Top 40 show last year. Everything went about as good as you would expect the first time to go uh, last uh, <laughs> last year, last semester, whatever. But yeah, like I said, we have a great show for you. We got a lot to talk about, uh, big things, little things, national stories, local stories. Um, the biggest story over the weekend, I wonder what that was. Huh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I know something happened with the New England Patriots, the NFL's golden calf. All right. So if you guys haven't, if you guys haven't heard this story, uh, buckle up because it's a good one. So the New England Patriots, of course, Tom Brady is their quarterback. Bill Belichick's their head coach. They are seen as the best quarterback and head coach of all time by most people. Uh, definitely the best duo uh, between a head coach and a quarterback, I would say. Um, they have been killing it, needless to say. They've been killing other NFL teams as well for the past, oh, I don't know, 20 years. Constantly reaching uh, AFC title games, Super Bowls. They have six championships to, to, to show for it. Patriots are owned by Robert Kraft. If you don't know who Robert Kraft is, he is a billionaire tycoon, you know, owns an NFL team. That's pretty much all you need to know, honestly. But Robert Kraft got into some trouble over the weekend when he was busted in a Florida sex trafficking and prostitution ring. Well, he got busted, all right. So apparently, Robert Kraft was one of about 30 men who were busted in this uh, in this sex ring down in Florida. And it was very hard to believe. <laughs> it was very hard to believe uh, early on when it, when it broke. Not that, not that Robert Kraft, not that I thought he was above, you know, <laughs> above that kind of thing. But just, like, the man is, like, 80 years old. You're, you're not expecting... Plus, and he's a billionaire. He's worth $6.6 billion. $6.6 billion. And he's still going to Florida to pay for $200 happy endings and a massage. It didn't really add up, but it's true. (laughs) It's true. And I don't know, I guess, 
I guess the reason that he kept going back there, maybe he had the, the loyalty program or something. I don't know, maybe brand loyalty. He's been there for, for decades already, and he just can't find another spot. Kind of like a barbershop, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why a billionaire would only spend $200 on, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe, that, maybe that's just, you know, he, he has a personal budget for himself. Only $200 every time he goes in there. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, I've never paid for sex. Uh, this happened at the Orchids of Asia Day Spa in Jupiter, Florida. If you didn't think Florida, people from Florida were, you know, weird and quote-unquote out there, quote-unquote alien enough. Uh, the maximum fine. Now, here, here's the thing. The NFL, they have to do something about this, right? Roger Goodell has to make some kind of decision. He has to put he has to put some kind of uh, some kind of uh, penalty and punishment on on Kraft, not necessarily on the team, but on Kraft. It seems it seems that they're the punishment that is expected isn't gonna be isn't gonna be like you know anything that Robert Kraft himself is going to change his life over. Uh, as I mentioned, $6.6 billion is Robert Kraft's net worth. The maximum fine that the NFL can hit an owner with over, over any infraction. The highest fine that an owner can receive is $500,000. Now, of course, that is a lot of money. I was trying to, I, I was going to say something else, but I remembered this is terrestrial radio. I couldn't say it. Um, that is, in, in no doubt, a ton of money, and that's definitely nothing to sneeze at. But to a billionaire, to a billionaire, it's like the equivalent of the average NFL player being fined $2.87. There's not a prostitute in the world that you can buy with $2.87. 500000 for Robert Kraft, that, could get him, that can get him pretty far. And the 77-year-old is facing two misdemeanor solicitation of prostitution charges. Palm Beach County's state attorney, well, uh, he, uh, he or she, I'm, I'm not sure uh, the, the sex of the person, but um, they issued an arrest warrant today, and an affidavit today also alleges that Kraft was at the spa the morning of the AFC title game. The same day that the Patriots were in Kansas City, Playing for their Super Bowl bid, Robert Kraft was in Florida getting a rub and tug. Doesn't that seem a little weird and deviant? I mean, obviously, this, you know, this type of behavior isn't quote unquote common or usual to, to, the, uh, to the average American, I suppose. But you would think that the owner of the team would be with the team if they're trying to go to their ninth or tenth Super Bowl in 20 years and they end up they did end up winning it they ended up beating the Chiefs and then they ended up beating the Rams in the Super Bowl he had the game on on, on TV in the background I guess so I don't know maybe Robert Kraft maybe there's something else going on there maybe there's a deeper maybe there's something more to it because they're the, the the whole ring and operation that got busted wasn't only wasn't only about prostitution. There had there had some sex trafficking in there as well, which Robert Kraft has not been linked to. 
but I mean, I, you know, this, this is a crazy story and crazier things have happened. I definitely had no anticipation of talking about Robert Kraft's sex habits, uh, when we left the show last week, but, um, since Kraft is a billionaire, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he, it seems to me at least, it seems to me at least that he was kind of sloppy about this, you know, cause however you feel about, you know, sex workers and, you know, paying for the act, some people, some people say that it's, you know, it should be illegal and it's, it's whatever it's, I don't, I don't even know what the the word would be. Or there's some people who are just like, you know, just if that's the way that they want to make money, you know, there's, there's definitely worse things than that, that you could be doing as long as you, as long as you cover your bases and you are, you know, you're doing it the quote unquote right way, you know, then, then, you know, more power to them. You know, it does, it doesn't really matter to me, but you know, assuming that, well, that's not assuming that's definitely Robert Kraft's lane. He has, he sees no problem with it. If, if you're a billionaire, you would think that you would be a little more maybe discreet about it instead of, you know, I am just, just walking, just walking in the front door. Hi, I'm Robert Kraft, uh, owner of the New England Patriots, and I'm here to, uh, you know, wink, wink, get a massage, nudge, nudge. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. One, one, I've never, I've never dealt with uh, that kind of uh, industry. Two, I've never had six billion dollars. And I guess I've never found myself in this big of a, a predicament. This is all very foreign to me because I, I, I'm trying to put myself in Robert Kraft's head. Because, like I said, he's 77 years old. And he's sloppily, <laughs> he's sloppily being sloppy. So that was basically the biggest NFL news that came out of the weekend. Uh, what else happened in the NFL before we get out of here? Um, today, Michael Crabtree got released by the Ravens after one season. Where last year, last year I believe, yeah, he was with he was with the Raiders last year. He kind of had a career revival, I thought. But then the Raiders got rid of him, and the Raiders got Gruden, got rid of Mac. Derek Carr sucked all of a sudden. So I don't know. Maybe Crabtree was the glue that was holding that all together. But uh, anyway, the Boston—not the Boston, the Baltimore Ravens—they uh, do have a, they do have a nice young team. I think Lamar Jackson is pretty is a, is a pretty good fit going forward. They got rid of Joe Flacco. Um, yeah, the Ravens. I guess this th- this isn't really a huge move, good or bad for them, but it's definitely the biggest story that happened today by itself. Uh, but anyway, Chicago Blackhawks news. Corey Crawford is back. He has been activated off of the injured reserve list, and he should be able to rejoin the team and start in goal uh, for their next game, which I believe is tomorrow. Now, the Chicago Blackhawks, of course, they started off the season pretty bad. They didn't seem to have any kind of any kind of semblance of a team, any kind of identity. It just seemed like nothing nothing was coming together and they didn't really they didn't have any any um what's the word it for a team that had so much chemistry during their quote unquote dynasty 
the past two seasons, last year they didn't make the playoffs. This year they may not again. For a team that had so much chemistry, it just seems like it's completely it completely fell off at the beginning of the season. Of course, then Joel Quinville, uh, the head coach, was fired and replaced with Rockford Ice Hogs, their minor league team. Uh, Rockford Ice Hogs head coach Jeremy Colleton. Colleton, and when he took over, it was pretty much much of the same. There wasn't any real cohesion. The defense sucked. They weren't scoring as 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 proficiently as we know that they can. And the goaltending was garbage because Corey Crawford was recovering from an injury that happened last season, and then he ended up getting hurt again this season. Cam Ward is not the Cam Ward that he was in Carolina with the Hurricanes. And Colin Delia is probably the goalie of the future, but of the future is, is key to that. Uh key to that title he's just not completely ready yet he he definitely proved that he can play in the NHL at that at that high of a level but now that Crawford's back he's the odd man out Cam Ward is is unable to be sent down because he has a he has a no move clause can't be called down can't be traded whatever so that's out of the question Colin Deli is back in uh back in Rockford with the Ice Hogs and Corey Crawford is set to join the Blackhawks. Now, we know the Hawks had that seven-game win streak. It might have been six games, actually. Six or seven-game win streak a week or two ago. Uh, concluded about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. And life was great. Everybody in Chicago was more than thrilled that the Blackhawks resurged, especially after... We had our hearts broken with the Bears, and the Bulls aren't doing anything, and the White Sox are the White Sox, and the Cubs didn't really do much uh, to garner up any kind of media media frenzy or fan frenzy. So the Blackhawks doing good was was a breath of fresh air, and we've we've been spoiled here in the city with with the Blackhawks over the past decade. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've been spoiled with them. And now that they're now that they uh are not what they once were, I wouldn't say they I wouldn't say they suck, but they're definitely not championship caliber. And if they want if they want to get if they want to reach that level, then they're gonna have to pick it up in these next nineteen games because they don't have a lot of time. Crawford's coming back and that he's probably going to be a little rusty, but there's not a whole lot of time to to play around with that. You know, if he came back in the middle of the season, then it's like, oh, you know, he can take he can take a couple games to to get back up to speed, and you know, no no rush. We're in, you know, we're in whatever shape we're in. That we they they don't have that luxury right now. They're playing for their they're playing for their lives now. Their playoff lives, or else they're going to be sitting on the couch watching the playoffs like the rest of us. So undoubtedly Crawford is probably going to take a, a game or two to get back up to speed. But the Hawks just don't have that kind of time. And that's that's what worries me the most. These past two games that they played against the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars were huge games. If the Blackhawks would have won those, then 
Well, first of all, the Blackhawks are five points out. Right now, they're five points out of a playoff spot in the wild card. Colorado's fighting for a spot. Dallas is in that race. And if the Blackhawks would have beat them uh, in regulation, then they would have got two points. The other teams would have stayed stagnant, and the Hawks would be obviously in a better spot. But they got whooped against the uh, Avalanche, I believe, on Friday. And they they nearly had it yesterday. They nearly had it yesterday against the Stars. Uh, but they lost 4-3. Kane's uh, point streak was also snapped. That was kind of a bummer, but you knew it, you knew it was going to be coming at some point. Uh, so the show t- showtime came to an end yesterday. Uh, but during that time, Kane did score 43 points on 17 goals and 26 assists. And I'm telling you, this this near MVP level of play, Kane has to play as much as he physically can, I think, if if the Hawks are going to really be pushing for this playoff spot. And obviously you don't want to burn him out or risk another risk any kind of injury. But if you don't go for it right now, then there's gonna be nothing to go for when you're not in the playoffs in a month or so. So the Blackhawks definitely, they have all the talent and pieces to make a run and to get hot and to be that, uh, to be that uh, dark horse team in the playoffs. I just don't know if it's too little too late. I don't know if it's too little too late that Crawford's coming back with 19 games left. Crawford's bringing a .902 save percentage, a 614-2 record. And he's allowed 71 goals this season. Obviously, that's a very small sample size. <clears throat> I think it's only about 23 games that he played this season so far. But yeah, the Blackhawks can definitely make the run. Uh, I'm hoping that they do. I'm hoping that they come together. I'm hoping that the de- uh, the defense isn't gonna improve drastically like it like it like it needs to. But I'm hoping that. I'm hoping that Crawford's level of uh, I'm hoping that Crawford can come back and maybe cut off a goal or two, you know, because because obviously, <clears throat> obviously, if the defense is bad in front of the goalie, then the goalie is just sol. But if you have a really good goalie back there, then he might be able to he might be able to do his part in order to minimize the damage that the other team is 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 imposing on on the Hawks. So Kane's going to have to play lights out. Uh, Crawford's going to have to play lights out. And if the Blackhawks want to make it to the dance, then they're, then they're going to have to go full throttle, no doubt. So if you are not a White Sox fan or you don't follow baseball or anything, uh, the White Sox were... Very, very hard going at uh, going after signing Manny Machado, who is a third baseman, can play a little outfield, slugger, uh, very good player. Originally was on the Baltimore Orioles, got traded to the Dodgers last year at the trade deadline to try to help them win the World Series, but didn't happen. White Sox were the probably probably the number one the number one team that got linked to him throughout this offseason. Uh, who else was in on him? The Yankees were in on him hard. 
Uh, the Padres came in pretty much at the very end. Uh, the White Sox were there pretty much from the beginning. And everything seemed to be in line. Everything seemed to be lined up that Manny Machado was going to fall to the Sox. Not fall to the Sox, but he was going to eventually sign with them. Because we, we have the cap space. We have a decent young core. Our farms, the, the farm system for the White Sox is the number one in baseball. Which just a couple years ago, it was the worst, which is amazing to me. Uh, but anyway, despite those reports and rumors suggesting a Southside signing, Machado ended up going to San Diego and picking the late-to-the-party Padres. Padres offered him 10 years, $300 million on his contract. That's the largest free agent signing in American sports history. Largest contract that anyone in, in the history of U.S. sports. Largest contract anyone has ever signed for a new team. So Chicago offered eight years. Apparently, they offered eight years, $250 million, with up to $100 million in its in incentives. So it's a possibility of eight years, $350 million. San Diego offered him, as part, of the, as part of the deal, they gave him what he was asking for in terms of a player option. Uh, they agreed to an opt-out clause being added into the contract, which means that Manny Machado could take it upon himself to end the contract after five seasons and either re-sign with the, with the Dodgers at a, at a different uh, price or he's free to go anywhere else. He's a free agent again. So the White Sox uh, did not want to include this in the contract. They were unwilling to give them give Manny that little stipulation. And they also claim that uh, you know we only offered him two fifty, and we had to do the incentives and whatever. Uh, but management claims that they couldn't offer. We couldn't offer anymore. You know we did what we did. We tried, but. It was just, we couldn't go any higher. Uh, you know, wasn't wasn't possible. Which I reply with, that is just the biggest crock of BS that I've ever heard. Um, I'm going to just break things down. I'm going to break things down for you. The Chicago White Sox, obviously the Cubs are the, the number one baseball team in, in, in Chicago. They're more popular. They've got the more devoted fan base. It seems, although White Sox fans, White Sox fans, I got a lot of respect. I got a lot of respect for the diehards. Uh, but anyway, even though they're in Chicago, they don't really get the the attention that the Cubs do. Or you look at uh, the Yankees and the Mets. They, the Mets, the Mets get a hell of a lot of coverage. But the Yankees are the freaking Yankees. You know, that's Babe Ruth. That's Yogi Berra. That's Derek Jeter. When you think of baseball, you think of the Yankees. You know, being in New York and the big market, a lot of fans, they have, and the Yankees have an insane payroll. They are the most valued franchise, uh, according to Forbes, in baseball. And... All, all, with, with all of that being said, what I'm trying to get at is even though the White Sox aren't 
a, a sexy, glamorous, you know, maybe franchise or whatever. They are still in the third largest media market. Okay, the White Sox are valued at $1.5 billion. That's only 14th in Major League Baseball out of the 30 teams. Cubs are valued at 2.9. That's number three. And I put, I put this on my notes uh, just to uh, reaffirm, reaffirm my, my position. Let me, let me just jump into that real quick. Jerry Reinsdorf owns the White Sox. He's the owner of the Chicago Bulls as well. He's worth, his net worth, $1.6 billion. So he is worth $1.6 billion himself. The White Sox, as a franchise, are worth $1.5 billion. The Bulls are valued at $2.9 billion, which is fourth in the NBA. So Jerry has money. Nobody's denying Jerry's got money. The Bulls are a cash cow. The White Sox, not so much. But here's the thing. Me saying that, you might be thinking, well, you know, the, the, the White Sox are no good. They're, they're the middle of the pack when it comes to valued franchises. You know, maybe they, maybe they really couldn't afford the, the $250-plus million contract. Here we go. White Sox right now, as it stands for the 2019 season, are currently 26th out of 30th in total payroll. The money that they have on the books, they don't have much. White Sox payroll right now, they, uh, which means meaning all of the players right now that are currently on the team, as well as players that they're paying off contracts for, whether or not they got traded or they got prematurely cut from their contract. Anyway, so White Sox payroll, $80 million. The league average is $126 million, which would be around 13th. In, in baseball. Cubs payroll, $211 million, second in baseball. Now, Jerry's other team, the Bulls, they, their payroll is $93 million, which is 24th in basketball. Now, the Bulls right now are, I think, I think they're, um, I think the White Sox are further along in their rebuild than the Bulls are. So I'm kind of I'm giving the Bulls a little bit of a pass for not paying uh, for not paying stars. Also, in the NBA, there is a salary cap. You can only spend so much. In baseball, you can do whatever the hell you want. That's why the Yankees are always at the top of the payroll is because they can. They're in New York. They're the most valuable franchise. They're probably the most iconic baseball franchise, maybe sports team, maybe sports franchise in the country. The Yankees are very recognizable, and people want to play for them. People want to wear the pinstripes and follow in, in Jeter's footsteps. Babe Ruth, Yogi Berra, uh, Mickey Mantle, all of these great legends. They want to play for the most legendary franchise. This is why people want to play for the Lakers. This is why people want to play for, for the Blackhawks. This is why people want to play for, uh, I was going to say the Cowboys, but even there's, a lot, there's even a lot of NFL players that don't like Dallas. <laughs> but what I'm getting at, 
there's no salary cap in baseball. And Jerry Reinsdorf himself is worth 1.6. Sox are valued at 1.5. Bulls, the Bulls, no matter how bad they are, they sell out every game. They have led the league in attendance for like 10 years, no matter how bad they are. They are making money. Jerry's making money. They're only paying $80 million on, on the White Sox payroll right now. And Jerry Reinsdorf has been on record saying that the White Sox are his, are his main, that's his main love. Baseball is his first love. He, he said in the past he would trade all six Bulls championship rings for one more White Sox ring. Just one more. One more ring. That's all I want. So this whole notion of, oh, we did what we could and, you know, we gave it our best shot. That is a crock. You, there's no salary cap. You have the money to spend. It's not being used on your payroll. Also, guaranteed right field where they played, Jerry doesn't pay for that. It's paid for by the city and the taxpayers. Why the hell couldn't you sign Manny Machado? Why the hell couldn't you offer him an extra $50 million? Why the hell could you not give him the opt-out clause after five years? What are the odds Manny Machado would, would um, last the entire—he would willingly stay the entire eight to ten years of that contract? Who's to say he'll be good in the eighth year, in the tenth year? Opt-out clause—that's that, what happens. A lot of players have those opt-out clauses in the player options— some have some of them have the no trade clause, but you usually earn that. <clears throat> you usually earn the no trade clause. I don't know if Manny Machado has earned that, but he's definitely worthy of of, a, of an opt out clause. anybody anybody should be able to have that in their contract. So what I'm saying is Jerry. Jerry, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, whoever's responsible for this fiasco and this debacle. You had Manny Machado. You had him. He was in your hand. You had him. All you had to do was not be so cheap. You could also you could Bryce Harper still doesn't have a team. Apparently the White Sox are still are still kind of in play. They're they're hold they're saving his number, I guess. They're just keeping in contact even though he's probably going to go to the Phillies. You could, you could go out and present, present him with a contract he can't refuse. You could. You have the money, but you just decide not to because, you know, too much money. Do you know what a guy like Bryce Harper would do to your team? Not only would he make your team better, but he will get asses in seats. And that's the only reason that Jerry still cares about the Bulls is because asses are in the seats and... The money's coming his way. Can you tell I'm kind of passionate about this? <laughs> anyway, let's get into a little bit of NBA news uh, before, we, before we get into even more NBA news in the, uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. So LeBron James. Everybody knows who LeBron James is. LeBron James. So there was an uh, article today that I read. It questioned whether or not LeBron effectively ruined his, uh, ruined his team's chemistry by being so vocal about wanting to bring in Anthony Davis 
because he, LeBron made it known that he wants he wants AD in LA. He would love to play with Anthony Davis. I think anybody would want to play with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis could he he has the potential to be the best player in the NBA once LeBron leaves. He's that good. And the only way that the Lakers can get him right now is to trade away the farm for him. They got to throw the sink at the Pelicans and hope that they bite, which which they did. And they offered them pretty much all of their current young young core pieces. Lonzo Ball was in the discussions. Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, hell, even Rondo. They would have got rid of both of their point guards in order to get Anthony Davis for that half season. But it's not about this season. It's about the next season. So, you know, LeBron, he's he's played GM. He's played GM pretty much at, at, on every team that he's he's been with. So if he wants you gone, you're gone. LeBron James is more important to Magic Johnson than Lonzo Ball. <laughs> but what about LeVar Ball? Was he included in the trade? <laughs> that, that's probably what made the, the deal fall apart. Um, but yeah, LeBron may have ruined LA's chemistry for this year by being so public about uh, what superstars he wants to play with. I, I don't know. I think so. LeBron... For as good as he is, he does bring a sort of a sort of drama and a media circus with him. Sometimes deservedly so. Sometimes they're 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 grasping at, at at thin air. They're just trying to pull a story out of nothing. But LBJ was quoted questioning the team's mentality recently. Apparently, he asked uh, he asked the team, "Is basketball the most important thing in your life at this time?" Because during that stretch, in their last 13 games, they've gone 4-9, and nine, and they've been outscored by an average of about 10 points. That's not very good for a team that has LeBron James on it. Yes, it's their first season playing with him, and there's adjustments and all that jazz. But when the leader of your team basically tells half half of the squad indirectly, hey, I would rather have this one guy than six of you. You know, the morale <laughs> the morale isn't gonna be isn't gonna be at an all time high. You know, people one, it it is a business and people are moved around and players have to understand that. But when your own teammates are like Keep keep adding players. Keep adding players to this trade. Maybe they'll say yes, and we'll get Anthony Davis. Uh, it's just a bad look for the for the franchise, and frankly, it's it's a bad look for LeBron. I think I've seen more negative articles about LeBron this year than his entire time in Cleveland. It seems like LeBron he might be uh, he might be playing into the villain role again. Um. Which, you know, it was it was fun on the heat. It wasn't fun at the time because I was a Bulls fan and he kept beating us. That's why I hated him when I was a kid. But now, you know, I'm kind of just indifferent and I'm just uh I'm just a witness to greatness, uh, so to speak. Now there's uh there's more NBA stuff to get to. 
and it sort of uh, sort of has to do with the NCAA. This is the first time I think we're talking about college basketball on this show. So over the weekend, um, the NBA news, for, for that matter, um, the commissioner, Adam Silver, uh, has been on record to say that players should be getting drafted into the league at 18 because the current rule, 19, isn't working for the NBA, for the players, for college basketball. Uh, these kids are going to school for one year, and then they're just effectively dropping out to go to the league. And they're only going to college because they have to. They're required by the NBA to either play one year in college until you're 19 years old, or you can go uh, overseas and you know, at least make some money which is what more people are are doing. Uh, NCAA has more players uh, that go to the NBA, of course. But there's more and more players who are opting to go overseas and go that route. So Adam Silver has that idea for the league. Now, the NBA officially submitted a proposal to the National Basketball Players Association, the NBPA, uh, recently, I believe it was just over this weekend, to lower the draft age to 18. So they finally did it. They finally uh, submitted the proposal, and now we just have to wait and see what uh, what the outcome is. We have to see what they decide. And something tells me that this is going to happen sooner rather than later, that going to college is not going to be a requirement anymore for NBA players. And, you know, I, I, I agree that um, the whole college system is is kind of flawed, but we can get to that in one second. This, this decision to, to act on this now uh, seems to be uh, a direct reaction and uh, coming off the heels of Duke superstar Zion Williamson's knee injury that he sustained last week in, in their matchup against the University of North Carolina. So 36 seconds into that game, Zion Williamson... Plants his feet. One leg goes one way, one leg goes the other way. And one of his shoes, one of his feet goes straight through, straight through the, the Nike shoe. I believe they were Paul George shoes. Which, the Paul George shoes are fine, but Zion Williamson is 6'8 and 280 pounds. Uh, it's probably, it's probably not too much of a shock. It's probably not the biggest shock that's ever happened that Zion literally popped out of his shoes. Not, not completely out of the question in my book. So he suffered a grade, a grade one knee sprain uh, resulting from, from that little spill. And I think this incident has single-handedly ramped up the conversation about the NCAA not paying its players. And here's the reason why. I think... The fact, okay, so here, here's the thing. Tickets for this game were astronomical in price. Duke-UNC for basketball is one of the biggest sports rivalries in the history of anything, <laughs> in, in the history of sport. It's a big deal. Now, UNC-Duke tickets, they reached freaking Super Bowl prices before it happened, all right? Meaning... $3,500, $4,500 for a college game. 
Zion Williamson saw none of that. He got $0 to play in that game. And he got $0 to play in all the games that he's played so far. And should he come back from this knee injury in time for the uh, for the tournament, March Madness, he's not gonna get he's not gonna get paid he's not gonna get paid for those either. Now, of course, you know some people are gonna say that you know they're they're getting the they're getting the scholarship and they're you know going to school for free and they're getting that education. As, okay, ask yourself this: How many of those players are really are really there to learn and? to soak up lectures. Especially a guy like Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson is projected to go number one in the draft, and deservedly so. The kid is an animal on the court. He's, he's, he's Khalil Mack. He's a bigger Khalil Mack, but he plays basketball. How do you stop that? Who doesn't want to crack at that? Who doesn't want to try to draft him? So he's projected to go number one overall. If he would have suffered a serious injury any time anytime during the season, for that matter, but if he would have suffered an injury during that game and it, and, and it severely impacted his draft stock, you know, like, like there's the question that he may not be the same player. He, he was bas- he's basically guaranteed the number one pick right now, which guarantees, you know, which guarantees the the millions of dollars for that rookie contract, and assuming he blossoms into the player that he appears to be, then he's gonna get he's gonna get a max deal from somebody when when his time comes. If he would have got hurt, then then that's it. You know, what the 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 thing that he's been doing basketball for the past however many years of his life, where whenever he started, two three years old whatever that that is all he has been doing that has been his focus is basketball i am going to play basketball i am going to be at, i'm going i'm going to try to get as good as i possibly can i'm not going to stop i'm going to work my freaking ass off to get to this point that i am right now and it could have all it could have all been thrown away it could have all been thrown away if he got injured for a team that isn't even paying him. But he has the scholarship. He's leaving after one year. The education must not be that important. Okay? College athletes should, I believe, I believe they should be paid. Either pay them or take their services overseas or i don't know come up with another come up with another league in in the states which isn't easy to do it's 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 not an easy task just to start up a league and you're going to pay all of your athletes out of thin air you know college basketball's got to do something college football has to do something all NCAA the NCAA period now obviously not every player who plays college ball or any kind of sport. They're not all Zion. They're not all LeBron. They're not all name. Insert <laughs> insert legendary college player here. And, you know, they, they don't they don't have to get paid, you know, a million dollars. Because, you know, they, they know that they're not gonna go pro and that's not their 
that's not their main focus. That's not why they're there. That's not necessarily why they're there. They may have gotten the scholarship to play basketball, but it's not like they're the headliner on that team. You know, nobody's going to the no. Nobody's going to the Duke UNC game to see you know, Lada Dotty, You know, whoever. You know, it doesn't. That's not what it's about. Players that are definitely going pro and have that kind of talent should be compensated appropriately. That's just my opinion, you know, whatever. That's just how I think things should be. So Zion Williamson could have could have seriously screwed himself. Not 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 even that. Not even that. The NCAA could have screwed Zion Williamson out of out of his meal ticket. Just because for some reason the billion dollar uh, corporation doesn't feel like paying its athletes even a penny. But at least the NCAA, you know, you watch, you watch them and they're, they're playing for the love of the game. Yeah, well, they're, they're not playing for anything else. They're not playing for anything else. Nobody's paying them. They're paying them in pride. All right. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about the NBA. We're going to keep it local. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. And uh, right now, uh, the Bulls have won their last three games. They're, actually, they're playing right now against um, Milwaukee right now. And I think they're losing currently. But their previous three games, they've won all of them. In their last nine games, Chicago is tied with Portland, uh, the Trailblazers, for the number one offense in the league, which at the beginning of the season, I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom that. And I definitely couldn't fathom it after uh, Jim Boylan was promoted to head coach. Uh, and a large part of that is, um, whatchamacallit, it's a credit to Zach Levine and Laurie Markin and blossoming before our very eyes. Uh, on Saturday versus Boston, the Bulls in a game which the Bulls beat the Celtics 126 to 116. Zach Levine posted a career high 42 points, also added six rebounds, four assists, and had a um, he shot 17 of 29. Uh, his 20 his 2018 stats for the season: uh, 23 points, four rebounds, four assists, 46 percent from field goal percentage, uh, 36 percent from three points. Another caveat that I thought was interesting, he scores on 69% of the drives that he makes to the basket. That is good for second best in the league behind Kawhi Leonard and ahead of James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and LeBron James, respectively. Laura Markinen, on the other hand, he scored a career-high 35 points. He also added 15 boards, two assists on 12 of 20 shooting. Uh, didn't have any blocks, though. I was kind of surprised, but... Uh, can't can't uh, can't fill the stat sheet in every single every single uh, category. His uh, stats for this year: 19 points per game, nine rebounds, one assist, 44% uh, shooting, 38% three-point shooting. He's currently tied for the second most points per game among his 2017 draft class, ahead of Donovan Mitchell, ahead of Jason Tatum, ahead. Well, is it behind Jason Tatum? Actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I know it's definitely behind Jason Tatum. I don't think it's Donovan Mitchell actually. I think I screwed that one up. Anyway, those are the full, the first Bulls teammates actually to score 35 in a game since Michael and Scotty in 96. So I think there's definitely room for optimism. <laughs> I think there's definitely room for optimism when it comes to the Bulls. Um, the only problem is, why do they keep winning so much? They need to tank to get Zion Williamson or John Morant, really. They just need... Uh, 
they need to lose and get that high draft pick. If they fall out of the top three or even the top four, then I think I think we're, I think the team's going to be in trouble in terms of where they want to where they want to go from here in in terms of the rebuild. Because I think I think they're counting on I think they're counting on getting a top three pick, and I think that they need to rein it in a little bit. You know, like don't go out there and obviously throw games or anything, but like you gotta you you gotta think you gotta think towards the future and obviously some players are playing for contracts and playing for themselves which I completely understand you shouldn't you know you shouldn't just throw away your career if you have a if you have a shot to prolong it um on a team that you might not even be on next year but you know Zach Levine's putting up his points and Laurie Markin's putting up his points it's easy for it's easy for a fan to say that they should lose more but you know that's just how the fans feel uh, we have a caller, actually. This is our first caller of the show. We're only, we're only five or six freaking weeks into this thing. Um, right now, we have Anthony in Garfield Ridge. Anthony. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, what do you want to talk about in regards to the Bulls? Uh, the fact that they're so bad that they can't even tank right. All right. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, like... You have a franchise that obviously needs to get a top three draft pick, and you do well for the first half of the season with losing, and then you come on these last three games and just out of nowhere have an offensive renaissance. Like, yeah, how are you that uncoordinated that you know you need a draft pick yet you come out there and you blow like three games by winning? Well, well, that, that's that's the thing. I like like I mentioned, I, I started off saying that you know they they really should make an effort to lose. And I still, yeah. I still kind of believe that because they do have the opportunity to get a generational player in this draft. The only problem is you got players on the team who one are playing for contracts, one are playing for pride. This is what they do. You know, Zach Levine, well, Zach Levine and Laurie Markin are good players. They can't just magically be bad. Yeah. So I get where you're coming from there, and trust me, I feel you. I want this team to do so. I want this team to do good so bad. I want them to draft a very good player. Um, anything else you want to add? Um, you know, I think free agency is a big key in this too. And I think they're just really not appealing to, to a lot of people, like especially your like lower tier free agents, like your Tobias Harris's and stuff like that. I think they need to do a better job with that because the front office is just not an attractive place right now. Yeah. The Bulls, their free agency record has been shoddy and you know, they've, they've whiffed on guys like LeBron and Carmelo and they've had to settle for, for guys like Boozer and Gasol, so I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know why Chicago and the Bulls, you know, this it's it's a it's one of the most well known basketball franchises. I'm surprised that nobody nobody wants to come here, but it is it is kind of in it is kind of uh, on Garpax. I think they're to blame because one, they're kind of cheap as well, except for when they're paying guys like Jabari Parker, and then we trade them. Felicio. Cristiano Felicio, four years, $32 million. Um, but, yeah, Anthony, thank you for the call. Um, the, the Bulls definitely have a lot of work to do. Of course. Glad to be the first one. All right, absolutely. Call again. Uh, okay, so the Bulls, let's just keep on going with that for another minute or two before we got to get out of here for this uh, next break. Um, yeah, I, you know, they're kind of screwing themselves out of a higher pick with every win that they accrue. But you know the players, the players are playing for themselves, and they got pride, and 
you know, Jim Boylan wants to be the coach next year, so he's obviously going to he's going to try to do what he can. It's just uh I don't know. It's like I said, it's easy for a fan to to say that a team needs to lose in order to be better. <laughs> and you know, I know the guys feel that I know the the athletes feel that way as well that like, you know, hey, maybe we are maybe we do suck. <laughs> maybe we are really bad and maybe Maybe it would benefit us. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many are consciously making that decision for themselves. But I don't know. It's 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 a very it's a very interesting topic when it when it comes to, to tanking. Because you gotta wonder how many of the players are on board. You gotta wonder if the coach is on board. You know, usually the people that decide on tanking is gonna be management. And we know how smart we know how smart management can be, especially especially at the United Center, especially at the United Center on the hardwood. All right, uh, now let's get into our uh, beloved monsters of the midway. So, like I said, free agency's coming up. Bears got to make some roster decisions. Uh, Ryan Pace has his uh, has his plate full. They did release tight end Dion Sims on Thursday, the twenty first effectively saving $6 million in cap space, uh, which brings the Bears to a projected uh, free uh, free cap space is projected for the Bears at almost $16 million for this offseason, which isn't a whole lot, especially since we um, the Bears need to make it a priority to sign either Nickelback, Bryce Callahan, uh, safety Adrian Amos, Maybe both, if it's even possible. And you also have to bring in another kicker because, you know, Robbie Gold, he's probably at the top of everybody's list. He's probably not going to be, he's probably not going to be cheap. You know, I'm sure the 49ers want him back. I don't know if Robbie Gold wants to keep, wants to remain in San Francisco. I don't think he'd be happy if he was hit with the franchise tag. Um, so Robbie Gold could potentially still make a make a comeback to Chicago. Uh, we just got to wait and see what the 49ers do with him. Uh, so going back to Bryce Callahan and Amos. Bryce Callahan last year before he got injured, he he was he was unbelievable. He was on a pace to to have the best uh, cor- to the best. Uh, nickel corner season for last year. He he was the best one so uh, up until he got hurt by pro football focus ratings or whatever. And he got hurt and the Bears, you know, they, they filled in nicely with, uh, with Sherrick McManus and other players like that. But Bryce Callahan, his presence was definitely, it, it was, it was definitely missed. Now, um, the Baltimore Ravens, I bring this up because this could have this could have uh big implications on on what we offer him. So the Ravens extended their cornerback, their nickel, their nickelback, uh Tavon Young to a three year twenty six million dollar deal. That makes him the league's highest paid nickelback. Nickelback is base it's not the band, I swear. It's <laughs> the nickelback is basically the slot corner you have the slot receiver and then you have the slot corner 
So it's it's a starting position in uh, in in essence. Now, Bryce Callahan did get injured. However, I don't think that's gonna I don't think that's gonna be a a gigantic hindrance in how much money he makes next season and you know going forward with however long his contract is. Bryce Callahan is probably the guy that the Bears should go at. You know, he should be their main priority. As much as I love Adrian Amos, I think he's probably easier to replace because they have Eddie Jackson, you know, the the free safety who's flying all over the field, hawking balls. Amos is a good in-the-box, I'm-going-to-hit-you safety. He's really good. But I think Bryce Callahan should be the priority because he would be harder to replace. He'd be harder to bring in somebody else. It would, it would be harder to bring in somebody else and have them and have them exceed what Callahan is going to is going to provide. So that is where the Bears are currently standing with their with their secondary decisions. Uh, Amos and the Bears have engaged in New Deal discussions. They've been going back and forth, and they've been trying to make something work. Nothing yet. Uh, However, the Broncos are actually expected to pursue Amos in an attempt to try and reunite him with uh, former Bears defensive coordinator and now Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, as well as Ed Donatel, who was the... Think he was the defensive line coach here in Chicago. Now he's the defensive coordinator for Denver, which is kind of a meaningless title because Vic Fangio is going to be calling the plays. But whatever, Ed Donatel gets to gets to coach the team and gets to do his football thing. So Bears got to watch out for uh, Vic Fangio stealing <laughs> stealing one of their starters. Now, here is the little bit of news that everybody in the city has been waiting for. I know I have. Cody Parkey is going to be released at the start of the new league year. So, the Cody Parkey era in Chicago ends three years premature. He was signed to a four-year, $22 million contract last offseason. After a very promising uh, end... Uh, productive year with the Dolphins. We gave him all that money thinking <clears throat> thinking he was going to be our next Robbie Gold. And he went on to miss 10 or 11 kicks. That was tied for the most in the league for that season. And everybody remembers how he double-doinked the game winner against Philadelphia in the wild card playoff round. And, you know... We're just going to leave that in the past, and now we are going to rejoice that brighter days, brighter days are on the horizon for the Bears' place-kicking position. Don't know who that's going to be, but you know, at this point, I think, I think it's best for everybody involved that Parky moves on. I think it's best for him. It's definitely best for the organization. And who knows? Somebody might sign him or take a flyer on him. Because, you know, he he has kicked in the NFL. 
I just don't think he should anymore, especially for my team. <laughs> uh, apparently, the Vikings are rumored to be interested in maybe bringing him in for a tryout. Uh, as a Bears fan, that'd be fantastic. So right now, Redford Jones is the only Bears kicker currently on the roster. Obviously, Robbie Gold is an option, and he's, of course, he's my go-to. He's my go-to for a free agent signing for this season. I just don't know if it's doable with $16 million in cap space and we need to re-sign Bryce Callahan and or Adrian Amos, plus bring in a kicker, plus bring in other positional player help. We only have uh, four or five draft picks starting starting in the third round, so those aren't going to take up a whole lot of money. That's not going to take up a huge chunk of the payroll. But still, the Bears, Bears are currently making the moves that they need to make and the bigger decisions that are going to possibly make or break next season will be coming in, in, the, in the next couple weeks. So... When throughout my entire um, throughout my process of show prep for this week, uh, when reading all these articles, it got me thinking to it got me thinking to other other scenarios and other situations that were very similar to what we talked about this week. Uh, for example, Robert Kraft going down to Florida, and even though he's a billionaire, he still buys and pays for sex, you know, that's worth $200, apparently, to him. Uh, you know, even though he's got $6.6 billion, you know, he's, you know, that's brand loyalty. That's brand loyalty down there at the Orchids of Day Spa. So, I'm trying to think, I was trying to think what other, what other avoidable scandals have, have been, uh, whatchamacallit, have been pro- uh, prevalent and prominent in sports. You know, obviously, obviously, if you're if you're a billionaire, you would think you would think that you would be able to hide it and be a little more discreet. Maybe even have people come to your own house. You know, obviously, they obviously if you go to Robert Kraft's house, you probably got to sign something. But you know, that's it's that's an avoidable that's an avoidable thing, in my opinion. Um, Manny Machado, you know, when he it seemed like the Sox had him. The Sox had him basically like already wink wink agreeing to a deal. And they hit the, they hit Manny with the final offer. And uh you know, I'm going to take my talents to San Diego for an extra 2 years and an extra 100 million guaranteed. So you guys can kick rocks. <laughs> um in his case what are some what are some free agent blunders that the Sox have gotten themselves into, or not the Sox that that any any sports team really has gotten themselves into? You know, obviously, obviously that's a big one. Um, it seemed like it seemed like the Bulls at one point were on the verge of signing Dwayne Wade. You know, he met with uh, he met with Garpax and management. And they had a really good meeting. It seemed like they have they had a really good meeting, according to Wade. And he said that his mind kind of 
his mind kind of changed and he started to think about it seriously after Gar Foreman gave him a Bulls Wade jersey, a number three Wade Bulls jersey. This is before he came to the Bulls in 2016 or whenever he did that for the, for the one season. So he went home, put on the jersey, and he tried he tried to envision himself playing for the Chicago Bulls in his prime. And he said that the pressure and just the magnitude of being that hometown hero kind of kind of swayed him to Miami, back to Miami. So there's that. That happened. Uh, the Bulls were almost, this isn't a free agent, but the Bulls were almost going to get Kobe Bryant in 2006. Um, but that's not necessarily the Bulls' fault. Shaq wanted to get traded, and they're like, well, Kobe's younger, we'll keep him. <laughs> Bye, Shaq. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, what other what other questions was I thinking of throughout throughout my process? Um, when it comes to the Bulls and what they what they need on their team to be successful, you know, first of all, they got to lose. And once once they've done all that and they've drafted whoever they do, uh, I personally I think they're going to draft John Morant if they have the chance because I one I don't see them getting the first pick. And John Morant makes the most sense after Zion. <clears throat> Jeez, sorry. Got like feel like I got a burp, but I but I don't. It's weird. Um, anyway, Bulls probably gonna end up drafting Morant if they don't get the number one pick for Zion. What do they need? Okay, so Chris Dunn right now is the starting point guard. He's not it. <laughs> That's not it, Chief. Uh, he. He he's definitely he's shown flashes. He has shown flashes throughout his entire career, whether it be with the Timberwolves or now with the Bulls. And to me, it's just it just hasn't been enough. And to to management, it hasn't been enough either because they they were shopping him at the deadline. Uh, they're going to be analyzing him and deciding where they're going to go with him in the future for the remainder of the season. They're going to be watching him. Archie Diacono has. Um, What's the word? He's elevated his his level of play. Shaq Harrison, uh, he's done the same. Obviously, those aren't the answers. A starting point guard going forward, but they could lock up uh, Archie and Shaq Shaquille Harrison. They could uh, lock up that backup point guard spot because Chris Dunn could also be the backup point guard. He's still under contract for next season. Still on that rookie deal. And now the since the Bulls can maybe draft Morant, or they've been, they've even, they've even talked about bringing in Darren Collison or a, you know Ricky Rubio, a point guard like that, just to just as a stopgap kind of guy, just so they have some kind of veteran leadership. So they have options, of course, at point guard, but Chris Dunn is not the guy uh, going forward. He could be the backup, but I think even that's up in the air. Uh, Levine's fine where he's at. Um, Otto Porter Jr., I really like that move. I'm not crazy about the money, but what he's brought to the table for Chicago so far has been impressive. Larry Markinen is the franchise cornerstone. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., I think, is going to develop into a stud. So it seems like your top five is almost is almost set. You know, you could maybe improve on Otto Porter. Uh, 
definitely improve on point guard. Now, when it comes to the bench, uh, either Chris Dunn could maybe be that guy. I think he could maybe fill that role of the Marcus Smart type player. I think he could maybe fill into that nicely. Uh, backup shooting guard. You could throw Denzel, Was Denzel Washington. <laughs> Denzel Valentine. Uh, we'll be playing basketball in Pelican Bay. Um, anyway, uh, he's he's coming back from an injury, so we don't really know whether or not he's going to be the same player. Also, you know, he's he's a good 3 and D guy, but you got to wonder if maybe it's time to move on. Uh, Wayne Selden is an option. I really like what he's brought to the table this year from Memphis. Uh, just kind of came into his own with this team. Chandler Hutchison I'm very high on. Um, don't have Bobby Portis anymore. That's kind of a... It's kind of a bummer. So they don't really have an official backup power forward right now. Uh, Felicio could play that. I'm not crazy about him as a player uh, on a championship team. You know, hoping the Bulls get get to that point in the near future. And you know, Robin Lopez may or may not be here next season. Uh, but he's been he's been playing lights out when he's been starting uh, over these past couple weeks in place of Wendell Carter. He's been averaging like 15 points. Robin Lopez is a damn good player. Whether he's a starter or the backup, you know, yeah, that that's that's just the kind of like guy that that like the teammate, the he's gonna give it your all. Uh, that's the guy you want on your team. And uh, you know, so the Bulls they just, they need to fill out their bench for sure, and they need to make sure that they get their starting point guard of the future, whether it's in the draft or somehow in free agency. Uh, they just need to make that happen. Now, uh, in terms of the Lakers and LeBron, what do they need? Um, they just need to not let distractions be so prevalent in their minds. Because I know playing with LeBron and playing in L.A. with that kind of scrutiny and all those eyes on you, it's probably stressful, especially for a lot of those young guys who are new to the NBA. So uh, in terms of players, at least, um, you know, maybe another shooting guard. You know, but next year, I think the team is – I think the Lakers are going to look – vastly different I think a lot of people a lot of the current players are going to be gone possibly in a trade uh that's just the way it is that's that is life in the NBA when you're on LeBron James's team all right uh we got to get out of here it's 8 59 we got to get out of here before nine o'clock uh, I will play I will cue up a, a song for you uh for the nine o'clock hour before we get into our unlimited music and our evening mix uh, I'm Brandon Orlowski. This has been the Athlete Beat. You can follow me at Brandon Orlowski pretty much everywhere. Uh, you can find uh, WCRX at WCRXFM. Uh, it's Chicago's Underground on Facebook as well. You can email me at BrandonOnAir at gmail.com. And you can call 312-663-3512. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Athlete Beat. I'm Brandon Orlowski once again. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Peace.